name is Elle. And I'm Jared. And you are listening to The New Leaf Project. Thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us today. Jared, why don't you tell us a little bit about today's episode? Okay, so today is like almost like a crossover episode. Ooh. Yeah. We have some friends. Uh, Bernard Tam and his buddies in Toronto have started this amazing podcast called Camp. It's Camp is the short form. I it's, love camp. Oh, yeah. But this has nothing to do oh. with that. It's the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. Yes. And they've been going for a long time now. And uh, Bernard has been with us. He was with us right by uh, right from the beginning. Yep. Helped us get started on social media. Bernard helped us get learning parties going. Bernard is a friend. Love him to death. And he has been a big cheerleader of ours. And so it's our turn to return the favor. Mm -hmm. And this is such a needed conversation. Canada is a multicultural uh, country. And the future of Canada does not look like Jared and Al, friends. Yes. It looks like people who are born elsewhere. It Canada is, is, is changing in a profound way. And the Canadian church is changing in a profound way. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, uh, people from Asia who are sending missionaries all over the globe, Canada included, and today they're telling the story of Hyun Soo Lim. And you may have heard about him in the news. He was a missionary to North Korea. North Korea. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. And he was put in jail and he was persecuted for his faith. Things that sometimes you read in history books or uh, in the Bible. Right. Uh, right, right in today's world. Uh, this is something I just find this story so fascinating. It's all over the news when he it, came home. It yep. was. It's so powerful. This is this. You can hear the 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 deep love of Jesus in this man, even though he's speaking through a translator in yes. this episode. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant stuff. So, friends, if you haven't listened, you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. We love what these guys are doing. They're telling a very important story from a very important perspective, and we're so excited that they're doing this work. So, take it away, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we got a great episode for you guys today. I'm sure we are going to be challenged and encouraged in really big ways. Before we start, we also want to say a big thank you to our friend Lisa Pack, who helped set this interview up and who is helping us with the translation today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Reverend Lim. It is an absolute privilege and honor to hear your story and sit down with you and to have a great chat. So we're just going to jump right into, you know, your experiences. I know in, in these last number of years, um, you know, you've been recognized and already asked about a lot about your experiences, but also for your heart for North Korea. Uh, but we would like to hear more about your journey. What has that journey been like for you? What has it been like for you to want to go and to bless and to build up the communities that are there? Would you share with us a little bit about your experiences with North Korea? Since 1997, for 18 years, I traveled back and forth to North Korea over 150 times with, in the efforts to help and aid them. The first time I went to North Korea, it was a place called Pyongyangbukdo in the north. At that time, there were so many people who were dying. We went to visit a kindergarten, and there were about 30 kids there, and when you just held them, all you felt was skin and bones. 
And because of malnutrition, their bellies were swollen. I asked them, where are the other kids? Because there were supposed to be 120 there, but only 30 were healthy enough to even get up. The rest of the 90 children were in their rooms lying down. And so even when we went to visit the elementary school, only a third of the kids could come out. And so they were really, really malnourished, very thin and scrawny, and for lunch all they had was a few kernels of corn to eat. When we went into the surrounding living areas, like the village, each house had a person who could not function because they were so exhausted, out of energy, malnourished. And so for about 10 years, it's I estimate that there's about 3 million people that died. And because I saw it with my own eyes, because there are fellow kinsmen, our people, how can I do nothing? And so in order to prevent people from just dying, that was the basic reason. There was a lot of sacrifice involved, but we went in so we could just stop people from dying. And so in terms of food aid, in order to prevent starvation, we spent about $30 million just trying to provide them food and nutrition and for other um, resources like eyeglasses or um, just material goods that are necessary to build up life there, we spent about $20 million. And so that's how we helped them for a couple decades. And um, unfortunately, despite all that, they saw a video that was uploaded on the Internet where I was saying that you shouldn't believe Kim Il-sung as a god. Um, And they took that. And despite all the hard work, that's when they detained me. And because that is the most treasonous, that is the most grievous crimes against state you can ever commit. And so that's how we, we helped them for the last couple of decades. And yes, when I was detained and I was imprisoned, there was suffering. But on the tail end of it, I'm really grateful that I was able to have the opportunity to partake in some of the suffering that the North Korean people have had to endure. And in the same way, the apostles and the disciples, they all suffered, and many of them were imprisoned. So I was actually grateful that I could experience a little bit of that kind of burden along with them and partake in that kind of experience. And I'm also grateful that, you know, although my own experience is a lot of, you know, injustice or miscarriage of justice, but when I think about the miscarriage of justice that Jesus had to endure um, in his trial and his experience, it's my experience is nothing compared to that. And again, I'm grateful that I went through what I did. So right now, I'm just grateful for everything. And one of the lessons that I've learned is that freedom is so precious, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, you were sharing a little bit about how the apostles, they had experienced time in jail. But some of the witnesses in in the book of Acts describe incredible things that God was doing. Uh, We're just wondering, were there anything that you've experienced while you were in North Korea? I don't know if there was like an earthquake that was happening, (laughs) the gates open. Doors opened up. Yeah. There wasn't anything in in that kind of miracles, but God did demonstrate for me many signs of his favor. For example, I had to celebrate or be in jail for three birthdays. The first birthday was my 60th birthday. And at that point, um, we had promised, we had planned with my son to travel vacation, family vacation. We had made all these plans, but I ended up being detained and captured in North Korea. And so I spent my 60th birthday in a cold prison cell. My birthday is February 16th, which is the same birthday as Kim Jong-il. 
So I prayed a prayer. It's a silly prayer, but it's a human prayer where I said, you know, God, I'm celebrating my birthday here, you know, just as something, a sign of your favor, your blessing. Can you just su surprise me with the gift? Yeah. That was in after two months of being in prison. And so what had happened was that after I was doing all that hard labor, my body basically broke down because, you know, you're breaking hard ground, frozen ground, and it just really had a toll on my body. And within two months, I had lost 23 kilograms. And so my fingers were all basically broken. There was blisters, there was blood blisters, and I couldn't really function with my fingers. And all of my toes, because of frostbite, they were black. And so I would have four layers of socks on, plus like a layer of plastic, and still, it, it was still not very helpful. I couldn't even turn my body so my arm could go behind my back. When I lied down to sleep, the, the, my stomach would literally like reach the back of my back, and it was just so hard to breathe, and so I couldn't sleep well either. And so eventually I was hospitalized, and at the hospital they told me if you had waited any longer, I would have had to amputate all of my toes. In God's grace and his good timing, right before that had to happen, the amputation of toes, two days before my birthday, I was allowed to go to the hospital. I was afraid that they would only let me stay for a week or two weeks, but what ended up happening was that they actually allowed me to rest for two months, and in those two months my body recovered a lot. For all of my meals, over 2,700 meals were alone while I was in um, North Korea. But on the eve of one of my birthdays, they prepared this wonderful table of food. And that I remember that that was that one meal. It was just one meal, but it was a table, a feast full of food um, on the eve of my birthday. And that was also when the Bible was given to me. It arrived and they had given it to me. In answer to that silly prayer where I asked for a surprise package, something to encourage me, that was his answer. And so for the two months, um, apart from the time that I spent to sleep, I just read the Bible. There were incidences like that, but also in the two years, six months, and nine days that I was in detainment, there were three Canadian delegations I came to visit, and I had a window in my cell, and on those days that the delegation would come, a bird would come, and it would just sing songs outside my window, so I knew that every time a bird came, it was good news in that sense that a delegation would come to visit me. The most difficult night in prison was the very first night. Um, it was the darkest night, and it was just difficult to um, grasp everything that was happening. And on that night, God gave me a dream, a vision, if you will. And I held on to that vision, that dream, for, and that's how I was able to endure for two years, six months, and nine days. The dream, part of the dream was this: there was this long tunnel that I was running down, and it eventually these hands that I knew to be Jesus' hands lifted me up out of the tunnel and placed me on the surface. There's not enough time to explain all the details of that dream, but that particular part of the dream, it, to me, it signified that in God's sovereignty, in his timing, when the timing was right, I would, he would lift me up and he would deliver me. And so um, when I was released on August 8th of last year, I only knew 15 minutes before that I was going to be released. And nobody else knew. The warden didn't know. And the staff didn't know. After I came out, this world situation was such that North Korea and the United States were at the height of their tension. For me, I believe that it was a miracle. 
And so there were many little signs of favor here and there that God demonstrated and that he showed me. But to me, when I look back on everything, the most outstanding miracle is the fact that God, and I almost died three times while I was in there, the most outstanding miracle was that God gave me the perseverance and the endurance to go through all that and come out at the end. Reverend Lim, we're very grateful that you are sharing your experiences with us. Thank you so much. We also wanted to ask, since coming back, how has going through persecution and suffering changed your life and your walk with God? And secondly, how has it changed your view of ministry and what God is doing in the world? In the same way that um, Bible tells us that um, suffering is discipline in many ways, through the suffering and the difficulty, I was able to get closer to Jesus. And the saints, um, the disciples, the apostles, and Christ himself, because of my suffering, I was able to understand them more. And so in the same way that the Lord puts us through difficulty so that we might be refined, I came to understand that through my difficulty and suffering, I had a deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge. And because of all this, I had a more humble attitude, a more lower, impoverished or poverty in spirit kind of idea attitude. It also dawned on me that I don't have that much time left and that I just need to manage my time more and that that my efforts won't be useless or meaningless time spent, but rather spending my efforts and ministry time so that I might bear quality good fruit. And so there's always so many things to do. There's many things that we can focus on. Um, but for me, it just prioritized the sharing of the gospel, especially to those who have never heard that for the unreached, unengaged people groups, to share the gospel to them. That It became more clear as a focus. Reverend Lim, from your experiences, what words of challenge or encouragement would you offer to Canadian Asian churches? And so whether we're Caucasian or Asian, we all have our identity in Christ, but in particular for the Asian community, to find our identity with Christ first. And in a very humble way, with gentleness and respect, challenge the Caucasian, the Canadian churches, if you will, and to excel and to continue on. So that's what I believe that the role of the Asian churches can have. And so in the kingdom of God, there's no Caucasian, there's no Asian. Um, but in this day and age, um, in, the, in the practical sense of the term, we are Asian. We are born in this day and age in the dynamics that we are in. And so how can we take full advantage of that to challenge our Canadian or our Caucasian brothers and sisters in the ministry? And so if we look at the movements of history, the age of European or Western missions is past. They did a great work. But now we see the Asian countries, the Asian Christians coming and taking on that role. And so it, we just have to recognize that and, again, continue to um, challenge and continue to encourage. Because the lingua francra in the world right now is English, it's the language of business and politics in many um, ways, one of the things that we can see that God has done for Asian Canadians or North Americans is that we're born here or we're here and we know the language, we know the culture, we have the citizenship and the passport, which is a huge plus for in this day and age. And in the same way that Paul's Roman citizenship gave him access, so does our citizenship as North Americans, Canadians, or Americans? I actually have an off-script question. 
I'm curious, like, in, in coming back, do you see Toronto differently? Do you see, like, the churches differently? And, like, were there any differences like, in a fresh perspective, maybe? Not anything particular stands out. This is me commenting as his in- interpreter and as what I'm hearing is it was such an internal change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we know you were the senior pastor at Kumbi right here. Yeah, you were. <laughs> and then I think in the midst of when you were going to North Korea, you, you were in the midst of transitioning Pastor Jason to becoming senior pastor. We wanted to hear, like, what, what was that like to, because we know you're, 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 you are heavily invested in the Korean community and you've been a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. And to kind of share that, that, that change, that mantle to Jason, it must be like the, the posture was was very like there was a lot of things going on basically there is a time and a place for first generations to do the ministry and do their work and there's a time and place for second generation and there's a niche if you will it with the generations now with pastor jason he had been our em pastor for about 15 years and so he understands the korean cultural dynamics the way that the korean framework works and the korean structure but he's also perfectly bilingual and um so in order to make that transition to um and to encourage him i took a step back 10 years early from um, my entitled retirement so that the transition can be active and we're intentional about handing that over my dream has always been to retire and to go out on missions like full-time missions and so in order to do that well if you're too old it's hard to do so my intention was to retire 10 years earlier so that it would still be a very much part of my life he's commissioned now as a missionary of this church wow that's amazing that is amazing and even in regards to that transition, how did you develop that humble and forward-thinking approach, that posture, that attitude? So he's like, well, I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's so avant-garde. It's just common sense because people are growing old and whatnot. It's not so common sense <laughs> all over Canada for a lot of Canadian Asian churches. Anyways, thank you so much for giving us your time. We really appreciate all that you've shared. And it's been an encouragement and challenge for us too. Sure. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. That was a crazy, inspiring story. I can't believe all the stuff that Reverend Lim was talking about and and all the stuff he was sharing with us. And it's a lot for us to even unpack what does that mean for us as Christ followers and as, as Canadian Asians. You know, one idea I do want to bring it back on, and I want to hear, you know, what you guys think about this, is this whole idea of of the privilege it is to be Canadian Asian and what opportunities and avenues that affords us. I guess for Reverend Lim, you know, he didn't even realize that until he was, you know, serving on mission, right? And in terms of, you know, engaging those in North Korea and recognizing that being a Canadian allowed for opportunities that, you know, maybe maybe someone else doesn't have. So what do you guys think about that idea? I, I think sometimes when I hear people pray, you ever hear this prayer, it's like, oh, thank God that we live in Canada and we're free to worship and we're not persecuted and all this stuff. And I, I think of that, like, I think most people when they think of passport or think of like my, my privilege of being Canadian, that's what I get. But when I'm thinking of people who are like, no, I'm, I'm devoted to Christ and wherever you want me to go, or even where you place me here right now, 
I, I want to be faithful. I want to join you in what you're doing. Sure. I think being Canadian in that way is that, yeah, we have freedom, but it's freedom to live out. It's that kind of uh, oxymoron in scripture that uh, you're no longer slaves to sin, but you're you're, sla- you're servant of all. You're, right. you're not slave to the... Slave to righteousness. Yeah, slave to righteousness, right? Yeah. And, and I think we take that for granted that it's, oh, yeah, it feels so great that I can worship here. Yeah. I get my just desserts of Christianity. <laughs> but it's like, wait, there's also this life of that, that Christ compels you to live. It's like freedom from persecution and then freedom to live a certain way or freedom that allows you to you know, to be able to engage in different ways. That other people in the world don't get to. Absolutely, for sure, yeah. And we we get a place to engage people on mission even here very differently. And it's something, are we are we uh, privileged and taking advantage of that and, and being forthright with that? Or is mm-hmm. it kind of, no, taking the privilege to chill? <laughs> you know, even coming from a country that is more affluent, in a lot of countries around the world, you know, what does that mean for us, right? Many have said that the Canadian passport is one of the most sought-after passports because it's the Willy Wonka golden ticket. I, I mean, because like no, I mean, like we're we're what are we known for? We're known for beavers and being peacekeepers. <laughs> this is a tool, a powerful tool for the gospel, really, to recognize that, like, as a Canadian, almost like it, it almost disarms people, and then that in itself. Is, is a powerful message. Mm. So for Canadian Asians to hold a, a Canadian passport, you know, like, I mean, it draws up a lot of weird, weird conversations. Like, <laughs> why aren't you looking like a white guy? <laughs> right? Uh, Where are you really from? Where are you really yeah. from? <laughs> well, I mean, why are you wearing Canadian shirts? Sometimes we get that. What right? is Tim Hortons? Um, but, but I think it's also like, it's like an access tool. Right? Sure. Like it, it almost disarms people. Like it's weird. Like you go, you go to certain countries, and people ask you, like, "Are you Canadian or you're American?" And you say you're Canadian, they love you more, for whatever strange reason. I, I hear that about Jamaica. Mm. Like if you even if you go to tourist areas, they're like, "Are you Canadian or are you American?" <laughs> I mean, we we love our American friends too, but sure. but that's just but, some of the realities that we've experienced. But the reality is, we won't go around like saying we're American at other parts of the world. No, <laughs> no, that not. that's that's just foolishness. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, I, and I love the fact that, like, Reverend Lim was saying how, like, Paul had Roman citizenship mm-hmm. and he was, you know, utilizing that for the sake of the gospel, right? Mm, like, yeah. He recognized the rights, but he also recognized, like, the the opportunities. And, you know, as Canadian Asians, like, we, we almost have, like, a double privilege because we have this Canadian identity, but we also have a root ethnic identity. Yeah. Uh, that that almost compounds the opportunity in some ways. Yeah, it's a lot to think about, for sure. I think one of the things is in considering for him, having access to be able to go into North Korea, and I think that has in part with him being Canadian, right? But also, you know, living in the culture that we do live in and having the freedom that we do have here in Canada what does that mean for us to engage with others, seeing the opportunities here in which to be a presence for Christ in our neighborhoods and even among you know those who are from our country of origin and having that connection point as well. It's a lot to think about. Being Canadian Asian is still one of those things that's for those who are Canadian Asians are trying to unpack and to figure out. 
generationally that's an issue but also like you know you know the freedoms and 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 the resources that we have what does it mean for us to to be christ followers in a church here right wow there's just so many big ideas from this last episode what did you guys think of reverend lim's story what's your thoughts on persecution what are we going to do with the freedoms that we have Hey, don't forget to join us next time as we talk about what does it mean to communicate and preach the gospel in a Canadian-Asian context. We'll be talking with our friend Daniel Wong. Definitely don't want to miss that. We'd also love to hear from you. Let us know how we've been doing on our podcast and what your thoughts are as you wrestle through the content from this episode. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or by email. And while you're at it, please remember to rate and review our episodes. Subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us get our podcast and this conversation out there. We'd love to engage with more people with this, so please remember to do that. Also, check out our partners, New Leaf, and what they're doing with church planting and the resources that they are providing to encourage churches. Once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time. That was an episode from our friends at the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. Love what you guys are doing. Love your podcast and really enjoyed that episode. Jared, what were some of your takeaways from that one? Well, I mean, just such a profound humility and... and um, you know, this is something that our Catholic friends get right. Uh, a deep part of Catholic theology is the idea of joining Christ in his sufferings. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes when uh, I catch myself and I catch my friends, when they talk about God's will, they talk about what are the open doors to me. And where, and, and uh, uh, it, sometimes that can be sort of a path of least resistance way of looking at the world. But this, this man... Uh, he didn't seek out suffering or persecution. No one ever does that. But he was so comfortable with it. I just, it's like meeting a, a living legend of the faith. Mm-hmm. And I was so affected by this podcast. I am so grateful that uh, our friends in Toronto are are getting these stories out there to mm-hmm. us. Um Friends, the future of the church in Canada may not look like the path of least resistance. It may look like suffering and being willing to suffer and to join Christ in that. That's how he gave birth to this new world in which we live. That is how he is going to return. And that is what he's going to heal is the suffering and uh, is a deep part of our theology. And if it isn't yet, it needs to be. Uh, and I'm just so grateful to Bernard and his and his buddies uh, at the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. We are so grateful to them. Thanks for all the shout outs, friends. And uh, we're going to, uh, New Leafers, don't worry. We're going to have many more camp episodes uh, on our podcast. We love what they're doing and the story that they're telling. L, uh, if people want to stay tuned to the New Leaf Network, uh, how do they do it? Best way to stay in touch with us is our website, www.newleafnetwork.ca. That's where we keep up to date with our events and all our opportunities and uh, content, all that good stuff. Also, we keep Facebook pretty up to date with what's going on as well with and Twitter. And as we've said before, we're going to get a little better with the Instagrams as well. But the website is really where we are constantly updating the new things that we're doing. 
and uh, and and just like these great guys uh, at camp um, who kind of put up their hand and, and said yes and started something, we want to encourage you to start something as well. And maybe you know some stories of some people who have started some things. Uh, maybe you're someone who started something. We'd love to highlight your story as well. So be sure to connect with us and let us know about the things that you're hearing in your neighborhoods and in your churches, in your cities, um, because this is the kind of the privilege that we have is to be able to share the stories of people doing things across Canada, um, just like our friends at camp. And so uh, we want to hear from you and uh, we want to share your stories too. All right, friends, take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.